And welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some readers might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. I'm your host, Kayla, the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. Today, I'm going to be reading from The Lost Library by Rebecca Stead. She's written a plethora of middle grade books, like Bob, if you've read Bob. Um, This is a 2023 middle grade fiction with elements of fantasy and mystery. It's got magical realism and ghosts. It's also a New York Times bestseller and a number one indie bestseller for 2023. And here is the summary. When a mysterious little free library, guarded by a large orange cat, appears overnight in the small town of Martinville, 11-year-old Evan plucks two weathered books from its shelves, never suspecting that his life is about to change. Evan and his best friend, Rolf, quickly discover a link between one of the old books and a long-ago event that none of the grown-ups want to talk about. The two boys start asking questions whose answers will transform not only their own futures, but the town itself. Told in turn by a ghost librarian named Al, an aging but beautiful cat named Mortimer, and Evan himself, The Lost Library is a timeless story from award-winning authors Rebecca Stead and Wendy Moss. It's about owning your truth, choosing the life you want, and the power of a good book, and of course, the librarian who gave it to you. This embodies like whimsical simplicity and it's subtly magical. It's optimistic and balances puzzle-loving twists with emotional authenticity. It's sly narration is one of my favorites. So let's just get started. As I've mentioned, it's told in multiple perspectives. So we're going to start with Mortimer. Chapter one, Mortimer. Mortimer waited on the cool stone basement floor in front of mouse door number four, his fluffy orange body covering as much territory as it could. His paws were spread in front of him as if he were about to catch a watermelon. Books, in Mortimer's opinion, got it wrong about cats. In books, cats were usually stuck up, sometimes even uncaring, as if cats had no feelings at all. Cats had hearts too. Feelings, his heart said. Mortimer had a lot of feelings. What he didn't have were a lot of words. Mice were better with words than he was. Mice talked a lot. The bell on top of Martinville Town Hall began to ring, as it did at 6 p.m. every day. The scratching behind the door was getting louder. A mouse would be coming through any second now. Apples, he heard a small voice say. I smell apples. And behind the voice were murmurs of excitement. Here they come, Mortimer thought. He put on what he hoped was a gentle smile, just as the first of the mice emerged, shaking off little bits of dirt and sawdust, and, as usual, talking. Is that a cat? A second mouse appeared. What sort of terrible place is this with a heartless cat standing by the door? This must be a bad dream. A third mouse popped through the hole. Mice, Mortimer knew, rarely traveled alone. Welcome, Mortimer said. He glanced nervously at the potato bin. Last week, a mouse had managed to jump into it. Mortimer had to wait for him, remaining perfectly still under the stairs for almost three hours. 
Please follow me, mice. Mortimer tried to sound cheerful. This way to outside. But we just got inside, one of them whined. Using his outstretched arms like a windshield wiper, Mortimer herded them to a small mouse hole in another corner of the basement, also known as mouse door number three. Mice, he'd learned, never liked to go out the same way they had come in. That horrible cat has six-toed feet. How terrifying. Wait a minute. Could this cat be the six-toed grouch? The exit, which was not far from the old library book cart, led outdoors, away from Miss Scoogan, the apples, and Mr. Brock's cheese, and the potato bin. And now I suppose we're expected to go straight out into the cold again. In fact, seeing Mortimer and his sizable paws, the three of them were already crowding around the mouse hole, trying to leave. Not cold, Mortimer said. It's summertime. Be careful, though. There's a road on the other side of this door. Cars. But everything is fine. Oh, great, one of them said. Thanks for nothing, six-toed grouch. And he disappeared through the hole. And by the way, everything is not fine, the last mouse added. I'm very hungry. But, keeping her eyes on Mortimer's paws, he actually did have six toes on each. The mouse squeezed herself through the hole backward. Sorry, Mortimer said. Keep moving, please. Sorry. Cats are never sorry, said the mouse, just before vanishing into the night. Everyone knows that cats have no feelings. Mortimer didn't say anything. There was no point because they were gone. He pressed his eye to the small hole, looking to see if they had made it safely across the road. Goodbye, he whispered. Goodbye and good luck. Mrs. Scoogan did not tolerate mice. By now, Mortimer knew that he couldn't stop them coming in through the mouse holes. He'd carefully numbered them, mouse doors one through five. The mice had been coming for all the years he'd lived in the house, and there wasn't much he could do about it, other than gently guide them back outside again. He learned to hear their scritching and scratching and was always ready to meet them at the door and point them toward the nearest exit. Mortimer didn't think of himself as good with words, but his hearing was excellent. He tried to straighten up the basement, as usual, rushing around the way they did. The mice had banged into things. Tonight, three apples had fallen from a tall, wobbly shelf. Even with 24 toes, Mortimer could not pick up apples, but he could roll them to a spot near the stairs where Al would be sure to see them right away. He lined them up for her. Maybe they were not too bruised, or she could make applesauce. Again. When the basement was neat and quiet, he took a deep breath, savoring the smell of apple muffins that floated down the kitchen stairs. Al was baking, as she did most Sundays. Through one of the small, high basement windows, he saw the day's light fading. He exhaled and felt happy. Then his eye fell upon the cart of old library books. His happiness went quiet, and a guilty feeling wrapped around him, like one of Al's hugs, which were always a little too tight. My fault, his heart said for the millionth time. All my fault. He looked away. That is a short chapter, so let's do another one. Uh, chapter 2. Mortimer. Not long after the mice left, Al came downstairs. Ignoring the apples he'd lined up for her, she sat herself down on the basement floor where she did not move for almost an hour. She was staring at the library cart. In 20 years, Al had never done that before. Mortimer wondered if she needed a hug and went over to stand on one of her feet. Oh, dear cat, she said and reached for him. Little too tight, Mortimer thought, but he allowed it. When Al began to take the books off the cart, stacking them on the floor all around him, Mortimer closed his eyes. That delicious book smell, his heart said. 
He let himself think about the library and his kitten days. Mortimer and his sister Petunia had loved their games. Boss of the library was Petunia's favorite. The rules were simple. Whoever climbed the highest place was the winner. Mortimer, with his 24 toes, was a good climber, but he rarely won. Petunia climbed higher. She had six toes on every paw, just like he did. He could still remember her face, smiling down at him from the highest bookshelves in the old library stacks. Once, she'd somehow made it to the top of the library's big blue doors. His eyes still closed, Mortimer remembered. Petunia was like a beautiful, triumphant snowball, weighing up near the ceiling. A stuck snowball. Miss Gogan had stood on a chair to get her town. Miss Gogan was Mortimer's favorite. Her hugs were never too tight. These happy thoughts were interrupted by Al. Dear cat, Al was clutching her notebook. He saw that she had drawn a lot of marks on the library cart and piled all the books on it again. Messily. Her cheeks were flushed. We must wake Mrs. Scogan, she told him. There's no time to lose. He followed her upstairs and then right back down to the basement, now with Miss Scogan floating sleepily behind them. I was having the most delightful dream, Miss Scogan told Al. I dreamed I was at the movies. I believe it was the theater in Grantville. They have superior popcorn, my dear. You must go there. Please do. Al shoved a plate of apple muffins at her and said, I have a plan, and I need a lookout. It was almost dawn when Mortimer realized that Al and Miss Gogan intended the library to push cart outside. Outside, he told himself. They're taking it away, his heart said. This was a terrible idea, in Mortimer's opinion, and he told them so until Miss Scogan pointed at him and said to Al, Did you remember to feed the dear cat his dinner? He is meowing quite a bit. And Al said, I did feed him. Maybe he's just feeling conversational. She leaned toward Mortimer and said, Are you saying very important things, dear cat? How tiring, Mortimer thought. There must be another way, because he did not want that library cart to go anywhere. And then, before he could make an actual plan, Al was pushing it toward the cellar door, and Miss Scogan was right behind her. What should he do? This cart of old books was all that was left of his first home, his library. It was all that was left of his happy memories of kittenhood and his petunia. All my fault, his heart said, and now they were almost at the door. He cried, stop, and leapt from the floor to the top of the library cart. But the cart kept moving. Mortimer's bulk was mostly fur. He only weighed about nine pounds. Al laughed, and away we go. Mortimer had never felt so misunderstood in his life. He faced forward and stayed where he was. My library, his heart said. What's left of it, he reminded himself. Outside in the dark, Mortimer watched Al kneel in the grass and dismantle the library cart. His library was in pieces. He had not been able to protect it after all. Al sawed, she hammered, she glued. Mortimer was getting a stomach ache. Then she pointed at a towel-wrapped bundle a few steps away. Guess what's in there? She asked Mortimer. Don't break the books, he told her. Please don't hurt any of the books. Meow to you too, Al said, pulling the towel bundle toward them. He looked at her. It did annoy him sometimes, the way she assumed he had no idea what she was saying, when in fact she was the one who could not understand him. Doors, she said, lifting a small square of wood and glass out of the towel bundle. The thing in her hands looked very familiar. Then he realized it belonged to the little cabinet over the sink at home. The cheese cupboard doors. She had taken them both off their hinges, Correction. She had taken the hinges, too. 
And now, from one of her dress pockets, she produced a screwdriver. He went to sit with Mrs. Scogan. Oh, good, she said. You can help me be lookout. Meow twice if you see anyone coming. <sighs> Mortimer sighed. He hoped they could go home soon. There was just a bit of light growing in the sky when Al finished her little library with stolen cheese-covered doors. Mortimer was tired. He trailed home after Miss Scogan and Al, but when he reached their porch, Mortimer realized that he could not go inside. Not with my library outside, his heart said. What's left of it, he reminded himself. Mortimer turned around. He walked down the steps and away. My library, his heart said, still needed me. Chapter 3. Evan. On the absolute last Monday morning of fifth grade, Evan climbed the dirt road that led from his house to the Martinville Town Green where his school was. Climbed because it was mostly one long hill. Chapter 4. Al. Hold on now. I would say take my hand, but we both know that this is impossible. The eye of the story has moved. The eye has left Mortimer, the six-toed cat, and is now looking at Evan, the fifth grader. Some people really hate that. But Evan and Mortimer live in the same town. In fact, they're about to cross paths. Briefly. I live in Martinville, too. That's where all this is happening. It will make sense. Soon. And that's the end of the chapter. Well, the chapters I'm going to read. Chapter 5 starts Evan again, and you kind of get a look into what his character is, and you get more of the story, and that's where the mystery starts. So what do you think? There's a little free library in this book. What are your thoughts about this one with the cheese cupboard doors? I'm really excited to read more about Evan and the mystery. There's a ghost in this book, which is perfect. Mortimer is the best cat, and I will not be taking questions. Do you like different POVs? Do you kind of see what I'm saying when I tell you the narration style is very sly and interesting? So I hope you found this chapter intriguing enough to check out. If not, there's always another book just waiting to be discovered. You can check this book out as a physical book at our library, as well as a digital book. We have both the ebook and the audiobook. If you need any help with your library card or online help, like with Libby, let us know. We're always happy to help. Please check the show notes for some read-alikes. I have some good library books and some mystery. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for another Next Reads.